Thank you, Pastor. Appreciate that very much. Well, it's a blessing to be in the house of the Lord. Amen. Very glad that uh, you're here and thankful to be here. Thank you, Pastor Eccles, for inviting us, allowing us to be a part of this uh, occasion. Uh, it's a big deal. The church makes it 65 years. Truly is a big deal. And we are thankful to be here and thankful that we've already been, <clears throat> excuse me, made to feel at home. And I want to thank you for honoring the men that have pastored the church before you. I, I'm, I'm thankful their churches are closing their doors at a, an alarming rate. And certainly we need, we need men of God that are going to be faithful, continue to do what God has called them to do, stay true. And we need churches to be open. We need to be proclaiming the gospel stronger than we've ever proclaimed it in the day and time that we live in. <clears throat> Brother Curtis made reference of uh, success and failure. I, I don't. I really don't like that word success as far as ministry goes. It's hard, isn't it? I mean, when you consider that, and I appreciate so much the definition and of faithfulness because that's what God requires of us to be to be faithful. And you made reference to your small church. We traveled in evangelism for sixteen years, and and uh, by the good grace of God, we were in a lot of quote-unquote, small churches. And I had guys call me and say, Brother Marshall, we'd like for you to come. We're just a small church. And here, here, here's where, here is the way that I got where I answered that. Uh, if God's in the middle of it, it's not a small work. Just a fact. Absolutely so. In the Bible, we read over and over again where God used small groups of people to do great things. And so as long as we're doing what God wants us to do, we're a majority, everything's good, and we just need to keep on doing it. We need to keep on doing what what uh, the Lord has called us to do. It is a great pleasure to be here. And um, I, I know where I'm at as a Baptist preacher right now. I'm standing between us and food. <clears throat> There's food. It's a dangerous place to be at times. <laughs> but uh, we're going to try to get into the Word of God and get through this. Um, you know, the Lord might come back before lunch. That's a good chance of that. That'd be okay too, wouldn't it? I'm pretty sure the table's set up there. <clears throat> Marriage supper of the lamb, you get to eat all you want. Okay, it doesn't mean anything to you, but I mean, the older I get, the more I realize I can't eat all I want anymore. And so one of these days I'll get to it again. We're going to go to the book of the Revelation. The book of the Revelation, the last book in your Bible. There, Revelation chapter number 20. <clears throat> this church has been in existence for 65 years, and it was started in 1954 because of what we're going to talk about this morning, and something that needs to be kept fresh on our mind. In the day and time we're living in, when uh, it seems like churches want to be more of a, um, a social event, or they want to go along the lines more of the Salvation Army, which I'm not against reaching out to our community and helping people. I think that's a part of what we do. Uh, but the church was left here. Jesus started it, and he left it here to propagate the gospel. Amen. That people might know about the Lord Jesus Christ, be saved by the grace of God. And uh, there's a big reason for that. And we can see it here in Revelation Chapter number 20. If you're well able, would you mind to stand with me for the reading of the Word of God in honor of His Word? And if you're not able, God understands that. Uh, for us that can, we'll stand in honor of reading His Word. Revelation chapter 20. Look at verse number 7, if you will. 
The Bible says, And when a thousand years are expired, Satan shall be loosed out of his prison, and shall go out to deceive the nations which are in the four quarters of the earth, Gog and Magog, to gather them together to battle, the number of whom is as the sand of the sea. And they went up on the breadth of the earth, and compassed the camp of the saints about, and the beloved city. And fire came down from God out of heaven, and devoured them. And the devil that deceived them was cast into the lake of fire and brimstone, where the beast and the false prophet are, and shall be tormented day and night forever and ever. And I saw a great white throne, and him that sat on it, from whose face the earth and the heaven fled away, and there was found no place for them. And I saw the dead, small and great, stand before God, and the books were opened. And another book was opened, which is the book of life. And the dead were judged out of those things which were written in the books according to their works. And the sea gave up the dead which were in it, and death and hell delivered up the dead which were in them, and they were judged every man according to their works. And death and hell were cast into the lake of fire. This is the second death. And whosoever was not found written in the book of life was cast into the lake of fire. I want to try to preach to you this morning on this subject, by the good grace of God and with His help, there is coming a day. There is coming a day. Let's pray and we'll get started. Dear Heavenly Father, we pray one last time for your power. We ask, Lord, for guidance in all that we say or do. We're thankful for the presence of the Holy Spirit. We're thankful how you have upheld this church now for 65 years. And we pray that you continue to keep your hand here. That many in this community and around the world by missions would come to know Christ as their personal Savior. We certainly can't uh, know the spiritual condition of everyone in this auditorium, but we know that you do. And so, God, we just pray you'd speak to hearts. And whatever the need is, that you would meet that. And if there is someone here that does not know Christ as their Savior, Lord, you would impress on them. And you would convince them. And you would convict them. And you would draw them to that place of trusting Christ before it's eternally too late. We need your guidance, clarity of uh, thought, clarity of speech. Just help us this morning to preach with power, we pray. And we'll thank you for whatever you accomplish, for we ask all these things and trust you for them. In the name of the Lord Jesus Christ, amen and amen. Thank you so much for standing, and please do be seated. If we were to go up and read the uh, prior verses in this chapter, and we won't for sake of time, but if we were, we'd see that uh, Satan had been bound for a thousand years in the bottomless pit. Then when he's let loose, he'll go out to deceive the nations once again, but he's not going to prevail. He won't prevail. Verse number seven there says, and when a thousand years are expired, Satan shall be loosed out of his prison. Somebody might say, well, preacher, you know, if God has had the devil bound for a thousand years, uh, why in the world does he let him go? I, I don't know. I don't know. And the Bible doesn't make it real clear for sure. Maybe it's just to prove the depravity of man. What do you mean? Well, <clears throat> you got to think about this. For a thousand years during the millennial reign, the, the, the old devil's been bound up. And for a thousand years at this point in Scripture, the Lord has ruled and reigned on this earth with a rod of iron. No, no, the millennial reign. The Bible says he'll come back and he'll rule and reign 
with a rod of iron. What does that mean? Well, that means for a thousand years, all the, all the beer joints have been closed. For a thousand years, all the liquor stores have been closed. For a thousand years, all the movie houses have been closed. For a thousand years, all the porn houses have been closed. For a thousand years, people have been made to do right by the Lord Jesus Christ Himself. Come on, the millennial reign, when He is here, when He returns, for that time, people will be made to do right by Him he says he rules and reigns with a rod of iron. So listen, they've been doing right for a thousand years, a thousand years. And then the old devil's loosed and he goes out and deceives the nations once again, the depravity of man. What are you talking about, preacher? Look, here's what I'm saying. If, if we don't make ourselves do what we're supposed to be doing, pretty soon we're going to be doing things we shouldn't be doing. That's just our depraved nature. We are depraved people. That's our depraved nature. Make ourselves do right. So maybe it's just to prove the depravity of man. Then he goes on, he says, and shall go out to deceive the nations, which are in the four quarters of the earth, Gog and Magog, together them together, uh, together to battle the number of whom is as the sand of the sea. So the old devil gets out and he begins to go out and deceive the nations once again. He begins to gather up this army. Now, I don't know exactly what he's going to say when that time comes. Maybe he'll say something like this. Hey, you guys, come on and go with me. I've got this thing figured out. We're going to wipe God and his, his crowd out once and for all. I'm so tired of those holy Joes thinking that they can run everything and they're so much better than everybody and all these things. And I've got a plan and we're going to wipe God out. We're going to take care of this. This is going to be great. We'll finally be rid of him. I can sit on the throne then. This is going to be a wonderful thing. Come on, I don't know exactly what he's going to say, but he must do a pretty good job of it. And we know he's a liar and father lies. Oh, I know, I know. I thought I had him that last time when we nailed him to the cross, but I just made a couple of mistakes. Not that long time to think about it now. And I've got a new plan. Come on, can't you hear him? I mean, what a liar, what a deceiver. And he does a pretty good job because he gathers up an army, the Bible says here, as large as the numbers as the sand of the sea. So he's got this very, very large army. And the next verse says, and they went up, this army did, on the breadth of the earth, encompassed the camp of the saints about it in the beloved city. And then it says this, and fire came down from God out of heaven and devoured them. So he gathers up his army. And they're going to surround the city. And so, so the old devil, he says, okay, you, y'all go that way and y'all go that way and we'll get the city surrounded and just wait for me. I'll give the signal. When I give the signal, we'll go down. We'll wipe them out. This is going to be so good. I've waited so long for this. This is going to be great. But before he ever gets a chance to give that signal, the Bible says, and fire came down from God out of heaven and devoured them. One big flash and it's all over, Jack. He's gone. He is wiped out. What are you saying, preacher? I'm saying it might look like we're losing right now, but there's coming a day. It might look like the dope crowd's in, uh, uh, closing in on us, but there is coming a day. It might look like, like the liquor crowd is going to take over, but there's coming a day. It might look like the homosexual crowd who's brought their perversion out into the streets, of which I wish they'd take it back into the closet. It might look like they're going to change mankind the way we know it, but there is coming a day. Uh, it might look like the abortion crowd is going to wipe out mankind the way we know it, but there is coming a day. They will not prevail. We are on the winning side. Absolutely. And then I love verse 10. Verse 10 says, And the devil that deceived them was cast into the lake of fire and brimstone, where the beast and the false prophet are, and shall be tormented day and night forever and ever, and ever and ever and ever, and ever and ever and ever, and ever and ever and ever and ever. Now I know it doesn't say it that many times, I just like it. 
I mean, I'm so ready to get him off the scene. I'm so ready for him to be gone. And isn't it going to be a wonderful time? And I don't know exactly how that's going to happen either. Maybe they'll bind him up, tie him up. Maybe they'll, they'll put him, I don't know, a couple thousand yards from the pit. And, and people will just start kicking him a little closer and a little closer. And a little, I hope I get to kick him. I hope you get to kick him. Hope we all get to kick him. Amen. It's going to be a wonderful time when he is finally completely off the scene. No smut face himself will be kicked off in the lake of fire and brimstone. What a wonderful day. That's going to be. What a wonderful time. But what takes, uh, what takes place next, pardon me, is the most horrifying event that will ever happen in history. Bar none. The great white throne judgment. Now the judgment seat of Christ already taken place at this point. And the judgment seat of Christ is where you and I will stand one day. Stay with me here. Where you and I will stand one day and we'll give an account of our Christian life. Whether it be good or bad. No, the Bible makes that clear. That one day we will give an account of our Christian life. Brother Marshall, I'm so glad my sins are forgiven. Me too. Thank God. I am thankful that my name is written in heaven. I've got a place reserved for me. Thank God. I, me too. But we will stand before God one day and we'll give an account of our Christian life. What we've done with the abilities He's given us, the opportunities He's given us. Come on, we could go on and on about this. We will give an account to God, whether it be good or bad. The book of Corinthians tells us. That, that place. But we'll never be judged for our sin. Thank God for that. But here at the great white throne judgment, the lost will. Those that have never trusted Christ as their Savior, they'll be judged for every sin they've ever committed. Think on that for just a second. For every sin they've never committed. And I want to look at these next few verses of what's going to be there at the great white throne judgment. <clears throat> and we'll get through this. Look at verse uh, number 11. And I saw a great white throne and him that sat on it, from whose face the earth and the heaven fled away, and there was found no place uh, for them. So the first thing we see that's going to be there at the great white throne judgment is the Almighty Judge, the Lord Jesus Christ. He will be the judge. God the Father will be there that day, and God the Spirit will be there that day, but God the Son will be there in all of His glory. He will be one upon the throne, and He will be the judge that day. And it says, from whose face the earth and the heaven fled away and there was found no place for them. Now think about this with me. This is the face of one that's preparing to judge those that have denied him. This is the face of one that's preparing to judge those that have scorned him. This is the face of one that's preparing to judge those that have killed his servants. This is the face of one that's preparing to judge those that have twisted his word and brought out different perversions of the Bible, of which if you believe the doctrines that they taught, you couldn't even be saved by the grace of God. You stop right there, Brother Marshall. You think you can only be saved out of that King James Bible? Oh, no, no, it's not what I said. But there are some quote-unquote Bibles out there that have taken away the deity of the Lord Jesus Christ. They've done away with the blood of the Lord Jesus Christ. They've done away with the virgin birth of the Lord Jesus Christ. And I'm here to tell you this morning, if Jesus wasn't virgin born, we're all in trouble. Yeah, yeah. This is the face of one um, who is fixing to judge those that have sent in services such as this one right here, convicted of their need of salvation, yet lay, let their pride or their sin keep them from receiving Jesus Christ as their personal Savior. This is the face from whom the sin cursed heaven and earth fled away because now all sin is to be judged. All sin. 
and I don't know about you, but I, I, don't, I don't think it's going to be too happy of a face. Do you? I, I'm so thankful that the Lord Jesus Christ looks down at this world right now with such eyes of compassion. I mean, such eyes of compassion. Willing that none should perish, but that all should come to repentance. Wants us all to be saved. Ab- absolutely so. But on this day, no eyes of compassion. Eyes like fire. And I'm so thankful the Lord Jesus Christ has such lips of mercy. I mean, his his lips are dripping with mercy, ready to plant that kiss upon a repentant sinner's neck and welcome them into the family. But on this day, no lips of mercy. Lips of judgment. The judgment days arrived. And the Almighty Judge, the Lord Jesus Christ, He will be presiding on that day. But that takes us to verse number 12. And I saw the dead, small and great, stand before God. Now stop right there for just a second. We're going to move on. Stop right there for just a second. Not only will the Almighty Judge be there, but uh, I believe there's going to be some apologetic people there. He says, I, I, I saw the dead. That's those that were dead in their trespasses. That, those that, that is those that are dead in their trespasses and sins. They've never been made alive. They've never been saved by the grace of God. They've never been quickened by the Spirit of God. They're dead in their trespasses and sin. I saw the dead, small and great, from the biggest sinners to the littlest sinners. Now, now that's the way we judge people, right? Big sinners, little sinners, all that stuff. I saw the dead, those dead in their trespasses, small and great. Uh, People like Adolf Hitler, he'll be there. Mussolini, he'll be there. People like... Jim Jones, remember him led that cult off to Guyana years ago and all those people went off into eternity, horrible, horrible thing, said he was the Christ. He'll be there. Uh, people like Saddam Hussein will be there. Osama bin Laden, he'll be there. The, the big sinners we know about. Okay, well, let's think about something we know about as Bible readers. Uh, King Agrippa. Remember King Agrippa? Come on, remember he said, the, told the Apostle Paul, it's Paul, man alive, you almost convinced me to be a Christian. Well, he'll be there because almost isn't good enough. You must be born again. Uh, King Agrippa, he'll be there. Um, Ahab, Jezebel, you know, all the big sinners. And then the unknowns will be there. Jims and the Joes, Bills and the Bobs and the Ricks and Carols and Tammies and and Amys and Kims and Susans, all those that have never trusted Jesus Christ As their personal Savior, they will be there on that day. They'll be there on that day. They'll be there. And uh, I believe there's going to be some apologizing going on. What do you mean, preacher? Well, something like this. Lord, if I'd have known this was real, if I'd have known that preacher was telling me the truth, I mean, I'd have gotten saved back then. I, I wouldn't have kept doing all those things I was doing. I, I, no, no, no. I, I, no, I'm sorry. I didn't mean to mock that preacher. And, and I didn't mean to keep on doing those things. And, and if I'd only known it was real, I mean, really, come on. I, I mean, now, if you just give me one more chance. I, I'm sorry I didn't believe. I'm sorry I acted like that. I, I'm sorry I didn't take the opportunity I had to trust Christ as my Savior. And, and, and now, you know, Lord, I mean, come on. I, I mean, can you just give me another chance? Come on, can you hear them? No, no, this isn't a fairy tale. It's really going to happen one of these days. These people are going to be standing there. But it brings us to the next thing there in verse number 12. It says, And I saw the dead, small and great, stand before God, and the books 
were opened. And another book was opened, which is the book of life. And the dead, those dead in their trespasses and sin, were judged out of those things which were written in the books according to their works. So the third thing that we see is going to be there are the all-telling books. First off, the book of remembrance will be there. Well, what's that all about? Well, that's the book that all sin is recorded in. Now, see, from the, from the age of accountability, when a person comes to that place, until uh, 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 till the time that they go off into eternity, if they never trusted Christ as their Savior, all of their sin is written down. And that's the matter of fact. The book, that's a matter of fact. And I don't know exactly how God's going to do this. Listen to me. I don't know exactly how God's going to do this as that one person stands before the Lord Jesus Christ. Because this is not going to be a group judgment. At that point, no, no, no. At that point, you're not going to be able to point fingers. Well, if they would have just, well, if I just, well, no, no, no. It's going to be you and God. And I don't know exactly how it's going to take place, whether an angel will open up the book of remembrance, begin to read the sins one by one, the accounts one by one. Uh, Maybe God will have some type of a big screen set up. Come on, He's God. He can do whatever He wants to do. And begin to show those sins one by one. Can you imagine having every sin you've ever committed exposed to the whole world? Come on, come on. Because not only the lost will be there, but you and I that are saved, we're going to be there watching this. No, no, not that I look forward to it at all. But we're going to be there beholding this. And can you imagine as they begin to read those sins one by one, or they begin to show those sins one by one, can you imagine that person standing down there and saying, no, 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 please stop. No, no, nobody knew I went there. Nobody, had, no, I forgot I even did that. And nobody knew I had that hid there. And, and nobody knew I was thinking those things. And, and nobody, could you please just stop right there? I, please, I know I was terrible. And I know I did terrible things. Can you, can you please just stop right there? I, I don't want to see anymore. I, I don't want to hear anymore. Come on, can you hear them? But not only will the book of remembrance be there, but the word of God will be there. And that's by which sin is judged. People say, well, I just don't believe the Bible. It doesn't matter whether you believe it or not. People say, well, I just don't see that as sin. Better check the book. Because all sin will be judged by this. Not by our feelings, what we think is right or wrong. It's going to be judged by this. And the word's going, word of God is going to be there. That is the matter of right. Sin will be judged by the word of God. It says the books were opened and another book was opened, which is the book of life. <clears throat> and so not only will the word of God be there, but the Lamb's book of life will be there. Excuse me. And that's a matter of correctness. Wait, wait a minute, Brother Marshall. The Lamb's Book of Life, that's the name where all the saved people are written down? Yes, yes, yes. Well, what's it doing there at the place where all the lost people are being judged? Well, I believe there's going to be, once again, I, I believe there's going to be some crying for mercy. Um, probably saying stuff like, uh, 
can you check that book one more time? Because, I mean, my name has to be in there. You don't understand. I was a church member for a long, long time. I mean, I was baptized. In fact, I was baptized a couple of different times. And I was a good person. And my mom and dad were Christian. Grandma and grandpa were Christians. And don't you remember I sang in the choir and I worked around the church? I remember when I turned over that new leaf in life, you know, and I quit drinking and I quit smoking. And I quit gambling. And I quit cussing. And I tried to live a good life. I mean, I did all these things. I mean, can you please, please just look one more time. My name, my name has to be in that book. But I'm telling you, I don't know if the Lord will even allow the angel to turn the pages of the book. I don't know. But if he does, and it's alphabetized, and it starts at the A's, and goes through the B's and the C's, and all the way through the Z's, when, it, when the angel closes the book, here's what he's going to say. It's just not there. Because see, God makes no mistakes. He makes no mistakes. And right now, your name is either written in the Lamb's book of life, or it's not. Right now. The books that are there on that day will leave nothing to be assumed. All the evidence that's needed is going to be available at that time. Which brings us to verse 13. And the sea gave up the dead which were in it, and death and hell delivered up the dead which were in them, and they were judged, every man according to their works. So we see that the folks there will be accordingly judged, according to their works or according to their sin. They'll be judged according to their sin. What's that all about? Well, there's going to be different degrees of punishment in hell. Well, where do you get that? It's a principle here in the Word of God. And those that have lived a life of unbridled wickedness will no doubt have a worse fate than those that have never heard. You stop right there. You think those that have never heard are going to have to go to hell? Uh, yes. Well, I heard a TV preacher say, preacher say if, they, if, 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 they didn't, if they ain't heard, they don't, have, they don't have to go to hell. Well, he's a liar. He's a heretic. No, no, that's why it's important, isn't it, that we continue to send missionaries around the world, people hear the gospel. That's why it is important, isn't it, that we continue to go out and knock on doors and invite people to church. That's why it's important, isn't it, that we carry gospel tracts with us and we pass those out everywhere we go. So people might hear the gospel, might be saved by the grace of God. I'm going to tell you right now, Brother Marshall, I can't get nobody saved. I can't get nobody saved either. Only God can save a soul. Amen. Our job isn't to save people. Our job is to propagate the gospel. Our job is to continue to get out there as much as we can to saturate Nixon, Missouri with the gospel of the Lord Jesus Christ is one of the greatest things that Calvary Baptist Church will ever do. I can promise you. Yeah, we, they, they, they need to hear. They need to hear. But the whole thing is, is, is if they have refused to repent and trust Christ as their Savior, they will have a place in hell. Well, Albert Marshall, what about, you know, there's this little old lady down the street and she's just nice as she can be and, and, and you know, and, you know, well, she's got all them cats and kind of, you know, but whatever. She's, but she's nice and she cooks cookies for kids and all, and she doesn't want anything to do with church or Bible or, but she's so very nice. Look, I'm not trying to be ugly about this thing, but if she's never trusted Christ as her Savior, as her Savior she will have a place in hell. I say that with no joy in my heart whatsoever. 
It's just absolutely the fact. Well, don't you know, people don't want to hear about hell anymore. I understand. I'm telling you, no, as a, as a preacher of the gospel, I understand. They don't want to hear about it anymore, but it's still a very real place. It's still a very, very real place. Now, I know the modern theologians have tried to air condition it and they've tried to make it just a place of rest and sleep or whatever they want to do with it. But I'm here to tell you there, there is a real place in hell, a place of fire and brimstone, a place of weeping and wailing and gnashing of teeth, a place where the worm dieth not. It's still a very, very real place. And no, no, and I've heard it said before and probably in my, my former life before Christ, I even said along the way, well, I ain't so much worried about going to hell. I'm telling you, we're, I, all my friends are going to be in hell, so I mean, we'll just go down there. We'll all be there together. And you Christian people, you can just go and float around on your clouds and play your harps and whatever that stuff's all about. And we don't care anything about that. And we'll go to hell and we'll just get with the... No, I'll tell you what we'll do. We'll just get with the king of hell. That's what we'll do. We'll get with the old devil, the king of hell, and we'll just party for eternity. I mean, we'll just party. This is going to be great. We don't have to worry about you holy rollers anymore. We can just party down there with the king of hell for eternity. Well, let me say this. Uh, first off, the devil is not the king of hell. No, no, no. It was created, hell was created as a place for punishment for he and his angels. He's not the king of hell. And it's still a very, very real place where nobody in their right mind would ever really want to go. So it's a very, very real place. Some people say, well, that don't seem fair. Well, hold, no, 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 stay, stay. We have to understand something here. God's not fair. God is just. He's just in everything that He does. Come on, He's creator. And He's just in everything that He does. And it was His plan that none should perish, but that all should come to repentance. And it was His plan that everyone would trust Jesus Christ as their personal Savior. Oh, no, no, no. God does not pick and choose who goes to heaven and who goes to hell. God forbid something like that would ever come into our mind. No, the Bible says, For whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. It's God's will for folks to be saved. Well, how come they're not saved? Well, a lot of them, a lot of them just refuse to believe, refuse to repent uh, along the way. But a lot of them have never heard one time a clear presentation of how they could be saved. They've never had an opportunity to be saved. God is pure and He is holy. And we have to remember that He is the judge. He's very just. Look at verse number 15. We'll come back to verse 14 here in just a second. Are we still okay? Everybody say amen. Amen. Okay, all right. The Bible says, And whosoever was not found written in the book of life was cast into the lake of fire. So after this judgment, there is coming a day of appointed punishment. Someone might say, well, I just won't go to that great white throne thing. Well, yeah, no, no, there'll be no escaping. There's no escaping at that point. You will face God. Hebrews 9.27 says, and as it appointed unto men once to die, but after this, the judgment. It it will come. There is coming a day of of that judgment. But here's the great part of that, truly, the great part of that. You don't have to go to hell. People do not have to go to hell. <clears throat> Excuse me. Well, preacher, 
that's real easy for you to say, you know, because, uh, well, because you're a preacher and everything, you know. So that's easy for you to say, well, wait, 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 stop, stop. I've not always been a preacher. Back the first time I remember being so drunk, I couldn't stand up. I was probably about eight years old. My dad was a drunkard, cowboy, liked to give me liquors. He thought it was funny. His buddies thought it was funny. And so I learned to have a taste for liquor at a very early age, out drinking on the streets in grade school age. Learned how to get my hands on it, even when Dad wasn't around. However, I might have to do that. When I was 13, I smoked marijuana for the first time. By the time I was 14, I was doing all types of hard drugs, anything I could to escape from the world. My dad wasn't a, my dad wasn't a uh, happy drunk. My dad was a very uh, mean man when he drank. I remember many times him coming home, tearing up the house, whooping on my mom and sisters and, 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 and all those things. And whatever I could do to escape that, booze, alcohol, drugs, whatever, just whatever, just give me something to escape that. By the time I was 16, I was a drunkard myself. I, my folks then owned a little beer joint, bait shop thing, and, and I'd get my hands on all the liquor that I wanted, all the beer that I wanted, and, 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 and at the age of 16, I, I had become a drunkard myself besides all the drugs that I was doing. I don't like that word. I don't like that term alcoholic. They say it's a disease, but if it's a disease, it's the only disease you can buy in a bottle. It's not a disease. It's sin. It's sin. <clears throat> When I was 17, my dad and I had a horrible fight in a mobile home we was living in at the time. And, and he, he pretty much just threw me out of the house that day. He said I didn't have a place anymore. Went about my way at the age of 17. And not long after that, I made one of the worst mistakes I ever made in my life. And I used a needle for the first time and became an intravenous uh, drug user. Uh, drug user, it's what I was. A drug user. Mercy. Um, and then for the next 10 years, my life was just a mess. In and out of trouble, in and out of jail. On again, off again, trying to do the best I could. My life was a mess. And before I forget to say anything about it, <clears throat> 14 years after I got saved, my dad came to a revival meeting where I was preaching at the age of 72 and trusted Christ as his Savior. Amen. It changed his life. Changed his life. That's what that's what salvation does. It changes lives. And he lived four years after that, and he was a different man. Thank God for that. <clears throat> Ten years, my life was a mess. I'd pretty much given up all hope. Most of the people I knew had pretty much given up all hope, but there were some folks praying for me. And as they prayed for me, God began to work on my heart, work in my life. And through a series of events, which is way too long to tell you this morning, I heard the gospel. And I realized I was a sinner in need of a Savior. And I woke up on my couch one, one early one morning uh, in April 1984, under conviction, knowing that I needed Christ as my Savior. And I fell down beside my coffee table. And I cried out to a holy God and asked Him to forgive me my sin and save my soul. And He did, just like that. Amen. He saved my soul. 
My life's never been the same since that point. I've not been perfect since that point. My wife would like to testify about that, but I won't let her. I've not been perfect since that point, but I guarantee you my life has been different since that point. And uh, I never want to glorify my past any way, shape, or form. And I didn't say all that to, I didn't say all that to, to try to glorify my past. I said what I said for this purpose. If God can save someone like me, He can save anybody. He can save anybody. Well, I know some folks, I, I really wish that they would get saved. Look, they can't get saved unless they hear the gospel. We have to share the gospel with them. Well, I tell you what, I know this, but you know, but if I share it with them, they don't care anything about that. You don't know what God might do. You don't know how God's going to work. Oh, no, no, no. There was people back during that time. First time I walked in church when I was lost and I heard the gospel, I guarantee you, I didn't look like anybody's going to go to church. But God. God is able to exceeding abundantly above all we ask or think. God is. And he's still in the life-changing business. Come on. I'm, I'm thankful that I'm not stuck in some dead religion. I'm thankful that I have a relationship with the Lord Jesus Christ. I'm thankful that he saved my soul. He changed, he changed me on the inside and it has worked its way a little bit to the outside. You don't have to go to hell. The Lord Jesus Christ did come. He was born of a virgin. He did live a perfect sinless life. He did go to an old rugged cross. He was beaten horribly. They did plait a crown of thorns and put it on his head. They did nail him to the cross that day. He, he did shed his lifeblood for the sin of mankind and give up the ghost. No, no, no. Well, they killed Jesus. Oh, no, they didn't kill him. They couldn't kill him. The Bible says he gave up the ghost. He died. He died for the sin of mankind. God in the flesh. And they took his lifeless body and they wrapped it and they put it in the tomb and they even sealed up the tomb. But death couldn't hold him down. And three days and three nights later he rose from the dead. Victorious over death, victorious over hell, victorious over sin. I'm so very thankful. And even today, if people will just, well the Bible calls it this, repent. I like that word. Well, people don't like that word. I know it's a good Bible word, though. Amen. Repent of their sin and trust Jesus Christ. Well, okay, wait a minute, Brother Marshall. So that means i got to clean up my life and come... Oh, stop. Let me stop you right there. Oh, no, 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 no. We come to God just the way we are. I didn't clean up my life to come to God. I came to God just the way that I was. And He saved my soul, and then He changed my life. He cleaned up my life. He did what I couldn't possibly do. Oh, no, no. In that time, I, I turned over new leaves. I tried to quit this and quit that and all those different things in those 10 years. I tried. I tried different times. Nothing ever worked until I came to know Him. And He gave me victory. He changed my life. If a person had just turned their heart to God. No, no. Bible repentance is that we turn our heart to God. God, I really want what you're offering. We trust what Jesus Christ did on the cross, I'm telling you. The Bible calls it being born again. gives us a new life. A new life. I, no, no, no. The Lord gave me a life I never dreamed that I could have. 
never dreamed. No, no, I'm telling you, 36 years ago, I didn't like people like me. I didn't want anything to do with them. And now I'm so glad I'm a part of the family of God. Yeah, I've changed my life forever. Jesus Christ hung on the cross that day. He hung naked before the world that day with great hopes that people would not stand before Him at the great white throne judgment. He paid the price. But it does say there, and whosoever was not found written in the book of life was cast into the lake of fire. So there's also coming a day of absolute helplessness for you and I that are saved. It says they're cast into the lake of fire. Once the great white throne judgment is over, I really don't believe that they're just going to line up the people that are going to hell and the angels are standing there and go, okay, keep the line moving. Come on, come on. Just keep, no, don't, no, just keep on moving on into the lake. Come on. I don't think it's going to be that way. The Bible says they're cast into the lake of fire. I believe each one will be drugged, kicking and screaming. Come on, no hope of ever getting out when they're cast in there. No, no, there's no such thing as purgatory. You can't pray them out. You can't buy them out. You can't light enough candles to get them out. Once they're there, they're there. And I don't think any of them are going to go easy. Cast into the lake of fire. Can you imagine, listen to me please, can you imagine seeing those people in that line that day? No, I'm talking about people you know. I'm talking about people you know. Grandmas, grandpas, moms, dads, aunts, uncles, cousins, nieces, nephews, co-workers, schoolmates, neighbors, casual acquaintances. Can you imagine them looking at you? And saying something like this? You knew this was going to happen? Wait, 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 wait. wait. You, you, you knew this was going to be the end? And you didn't warn me? You never tried to tell me? Wait, 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 wait. No, no, stop. I, I know, I know I got upset with you that time when you were trying to invite me to church and all that. And I got a little upset with you, but you quit telling me and you quit trying to convince me just because I got a little mad at you and you knew this was going to be the end. Can you hear? Those people you pass by on a regular basis, wherever you stop and get your coffee every morning before work or whatever, you know, you walk, hey, how's it going? Going good. How are you doing today? Oh, man, it's so good. Everything's good. Well, okay, see you tomorrow. Yep, see you tomorrow. Can you imagine seeing that person and them looking at you and going, you were a Christian? Wait a minute, you, you were a Christian? You never even tried to invite me to church? 
Never gave me a gospel tract. Never did anything to try to let me know that this was going to happen to me. Can you see a loved one over there saying, why didn't you tell me one more time? Why didn't you try one more time? Why didn't you invite me one more time? Your neighbors who see you come and go on Sunday, but you never shared the gospel with them. Can you imagine them looking at you and going, what were you thinking? And see, on that day, at that point, for you and I, it's going to be a time of absolute helplessness because at that point, we can't do anything about it. But just stand there and cry. Just stand there and cry. Wishing we had. Wishing we'd done more. Wishing we'd tried harder. Wishing we'd prayed more. Encouraged more. That day, we can't do anything about it. But you can reach out to them now. You can call them now. You can write them a letter now. You can go next door now. You can carry gospel tracts everywhere you go now and tell people about Jesus Christ. Now, you do understand that's why Calvary Baptist Church is here. That's why it's here. That people might come to know Christ as their Savior. Well, preacher, you know, I pass out gospel tracts and everything, but it doesn't seem, church doesn't seem grow. No, but stop, no, stop, 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 stop. It's not your business to grow the church. Jesus Christ said, I will build my church. Amen. Our responsibility is to get the gospel out to people. And I'm telling you, if we're busy doing that, no, 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 listen to me. If we're busy doing that, we probably will see some church growth. We can do it now, but we won't be able to do it on that day. Everything's over. Verse 14, we'll, we'll stop here. Verse 14. It says, and death and hell were cast into the lake of fire. This is the second death. There is coming a day of annihilated death. It's going to be a wonderful time. No more death, no more pain. No more parting, no more fears, no more tears, no more sorrow. In fact, it talks about that in chapter 21 and verse number uh, 4. It says, And God shall wipe away all tears from their eyes, and there shall be no more death, neither sorrow nor crying, neither shall there be any more pain, for the former things are passed away. Once the great white throne judgment is over and all of the folks are cast into the lake of fire for eternity, the Bible says that God will usher us into that very real place called heaven. And that He will will wipe the tears from our eyes. Well, Brother Marshall, wait a minute, what's what's all the crying about? Oh, no, no, remember what we just saw? 
says he will wipe the tears from our eyes. But the Bible also teaches us, stay with me just a couple more minutes. The Bible also teaches us that he will wipe away, remove the former things from our mind so that we don't remember this horrible thing for eternity. That'll be gone. We'll not have to deal with that. That'll be gone. And we'll be ushered into the presence of the Lord Jesus Christ himself where we will get to spend eternity worshiping and praising him in a very real place called heaven. Remember that old hymn. And I get mad at a pastor who can sing and play the piano and preach. Because I can't. Remember that old hymn. There is coming a day when no heartache shall come. No more clouds in the sky. No more tears to dim the eye. All is peace forevermore on that happy golden shore. What a day, a glorious day that will be. And it will, won't it? It will for us that are saved. It will. So pretty much here's the invitation. Where are you going to be on that day? What line? What group? Where are you going to be on that day? And, and if you'd say, Preacher, I'm not sure that I'm saved. Well, I'm telling you, God already made the way that you can be saved. And if that's you this morning, let me, let me tell you. No, no, stay with me. Let me tell you, it's no mistake you're here. This morning, it's no mistake. The Lord wants to save your soul. He doesn't want you to go to hell. He wants you to know for sure that you have trusted Jesus Christ as your personal Savior. Absolutely so. And I know the good folks here at the church be happy to help you with that before you leave here today. I know they would. I know they would. But you're here this morning and you do know the Lord Jesus Christ as your personal Savior, but maybe somewhere along the way you just lost the energy, the desire, can we call it this, the burden to reach others with the gospel of the Lord Jesus Christ. Maybe you no longer tell people and maybe you no longer pass out tracts and maybe you no longer invite people to church and maybe there are some that even come to your remembrance when I mention those standing in that line, whether it's loved ones, relatives or co-workers, whatever. Maybe there's someone that you know that you need to tell them at least one more time. Let me encourage you to make a commitment to do that even this morning, today. Make a commitment. Lord, give me the grace I need, the strength I need, the help I need by your Spirit to share the gospel with this person at least one more time. To invite people to church, to go to folks. Never forget the fact that it is going to happen one day. People are going to stand at this great white throne that have never trusted Christ. 
and be judged for their sin and then cast into hell for eternity. Maybe we need to pray a little harder that God will give us a new burden. Maybe we just need to pray harder for others we know that are not saved. Whatever the case may be, <clears throat> if this church is going to continue to go forward, it needs to continue to fulfill its purpose for why it was planted. And that's getting the gospel out to a lost and dying world. Would you bow your heads with me for just a moment? Our heads are bowed for just a moment.